Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. In 1924, Witness Lee was dynamically saved by the Lord as a young man in his native China, and he promptly consecrated the rest of his life to the gospel. He co-labored with Watchman Nee for parts of the next three decades, and in 1962, Witness Lee was led by the Lord to come to the United States. During his 35 years of service to the Lord in America, he ministered in weekly meetings and weekend conferences, delivering thousands of spoken messages. Much of his speaking has since been published as more than 400 titles, many of which have been translated into numerous foreign languages. He gave his last public conference in February 1997 at the age of 91. We're happy today to be able to bring you recorded excerpts from his speaking and encourage you to contact us if you have any further questions or comments. Please send email to radio at lsm.org. Now, let's join today's program. Throughout the ages, many have opposed God and oppressed his people. On one hand, it could be said that God has many enemies, but actually God has only one unique enemy, man. Man fights against God, and this man is the flesh. The teaching regarding the flesh is found in many New Testament books and passages like Galatians 5 that tells us, For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For these oppose each other that you would not do the things that you desire. But it takes the Old Testament pictures and types to illustrate how we all are subject to the evil of the flesh and how diligent we all must be to keep it where the Lord Jesus left it crucified on the cross. If our eyes are open, we will see these Old Testament books such as 1 Samuel in a different, fresh, and very new way that brings these things into a sharper focus. Francis Ball has joined us today as we fellowship once again from 1 Samuel chapter 18 and the story of Saul and David. Good to have you, Francis. Well, it's good to be here, and I think we're into quite an important lesson this time to see something of the sovereignty of God and the willingness to have the flesh dealt with right. in man. Francis, I do want to read a few of these verses at the beginning of chapter 18, however, to kind of set up the backdrop for our program today. What we talked about in the opening here, this matter of the flesh, really becomes more evident when we get to the third segment. But the first two segments make it, I think, clear uh, of what's happening. And if our listeners will uh, recall the story of King Saul of Israel, the first king, whose heart was really never one with Jehovah, who had his kind of own self-seeking. And the Lord went through the prophet Samuel to this young man, David, 16-year-old, youngest of eight brothers, one who tended the flocks out in the field and really in no position at all to be anointed by Jehovah, of all things. And yet here he is, sort of the king-designate. And uh, his encounters with King Saul and all of the jealousy and rivalry that springs up in the heart of Saul really is the subject of what we're talking about today, isn't it? Yes, this particular case really shows us two kinds of people, a man that would be according to the Spirit and a man that's absolutely according to the flesh. And the one, God wants to take him and mold him to be a man after his own heart. But the other one has to lose the battle because he's just a man in the flesh. Right. 
Well, let's talk about this matter of God's preparation of David. We saw in some previous messages that the Lord was busy in David's environment preparing him for what was to come, uh, the kind of service that the Lord had intended for David. So it was quite useful. We found out that he was a tender of the flocks. He learned a lot of lessons that uh, served him well. We'll see that again today. Uh, And the heart that it produced in David, a heart that uh, Jehovah himself, the Lord himself identifies as a heart that was really according to his own heart. David's heart was one with the Lord's, and that was a the outstanding feature. But as Saul's jealousy grows and his rage and hatred toward David really expand, we also see the Lord's sovereign hand in his raising up of a provision, one who would uh, care for David, even within Saul's household. It's a really fascinating story, isn't it? It really is amazing. But it shows our wonderful God is really sovereign. And when he finds a vessel that he can use, he will use the means to gain that vessel for his purpose. All right, let's pick up the reading at the beginning of chapter 18. It says, Now when he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan became knit with the soul of David. Mm -hmm. And Jonathan loved him like his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him like his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him, and he gave it to David, as well as his armor, and even his sword, and his bow, and his belt. And David went forth on every mission that Saul sent him. He acted prudently. Therefore Saul set him over the men of the battle, and it was good in the sight of all the people, and also in the sight of Saul's servants." At this stage in their relationship, Francis, he seems to have some favor with Saul. It was a unique relationship all throughout. Even though Saul was filled with hatred and jealousy, he had a kind of a love for David, didn't he? But the more David was faithful and wise in his actions and conduct, the more Saul hated him. Yep. He just was something of a competition within his heart. He was envious of having the honors. And when someone comes along that gets more honor, it really disturbs him. We'll see that more and more as the program develops today. Let's join Witness Lee with our first segment. Very interesting to see. Most of the trials David suffered were coming from Saul. Saul was near the unique sorrows of all the trials David suffered. But under God's sovereignty, God has some kind of provision for David by the name Jonathan. The Bible told us that Jonathan, as the son of the hater of David, became one who loved David like his own soul. Jonathan loved David more than himself. Could you believe one is the father persecuting, hating, plotting to kill this man, and the other is the son of the hater, who loved the hated one to the uttermost. The father hated, and the son loved. Think about it. Who did this? The sovereign God. Yes, we are under his trial. Yet, uh, he really knew that we need some provision. Without the provision, it might be hard for us to go through all his trials. Suppose there was not 
and Jonathan. How could David go through? David could go through the trials by Saul, mostly through the help rendered him through the hater's sin. Jonathan eventually became the top provision from God to sustain the persecuted one. We'll have to see this. My God's trying on the one hand. On the other hand, this trying God made some provision to support, to sustain the tried one. Very interesting. So I love the Bible. And I love the one who wrote the Bible. That was not just Samuel, but God himself. This is very interesting. I appreciate his appreciation here after hearing this. Yeah. Here's David in this awkward, difficult circumstance. And yet in this circumstance, uh, when we find ourselves pressed for trial, so many times we pray, Lord, remove the trial. And instead what the Lord does is he sends us a Jonathan. Mm-hmm. And our eyes don't pick it up very uh, frequently, do they? That's right, Chris. I really am amazed at the Bible myself. You just have to realize what a wonderful book this is. Yeah. And uh, what a wonderful God he is. Not just to deliver us from all kinds of persecution, but to provide us with a supply of just the right things we need. I was just thinking about this friend of David. His soul was knit to the soul of David. Right. And when he laid aside all that he had a right to and all that he got because his father was king, he would just made it available to David. And it's quite marvelous to see how this kind of provision was something God provided for a man going through such trials and being under such hatred and such threats because of Saul's jealousy, ambition, and hatred. Really something, as he pointed out here, the father is the hater, and the son is the one who loves him and protects him and provides for him in many ways. How can you not see God's sovereign hand in such a situation? Yeah. Really amazing. Let's take a step back now. We'll jump back into chapter 17, a passage of the story that may be familiar to a lot of our uh, listeners. But we want to highlight one particular aspect of it, and that is something that is evident in David's heart as we read this. Again, going back to chapter 17, verses 28 through 32. I've just extracted some portions here. Then David spoke to the men who were standing with him. And of course, the situation here is that this great giant Philistine, Goliath, has presented himself and he is a scourge to God's people and he is dishonoring God himself. And among all of Israel, there are not many takers uh, because of his presence and, and the threat that he posed. But one comes forward and we know who that one was. Right. All right. Then David spoke to the men who were standing with him saying, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the ranks of the living God? And Eliab, his oldest brother, heard him speaking to the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? And David said, What have I done now? Is there no cause? And this is the key phrase. In David's mind and in David's heart, it was very clear. He came down and left the sheep because there was a cause, and he knew who was behind the cause. And when the words that David spoke were heard, they were reported to Saul, and he had him brought. And David said to Saul, 
Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. My, what a bold young man. <laughs> Very much so. I understand that he was a teenager. Yeah, about at 16, this time. Yeah. 16 years old, we were told. It's not just to hear that he had the courage and the strength to rise up, but more closely, we want to focus on this matter of what's in his heart yeah. and the cause that he put above all else. All right, let's go back to Witness Lee. David, his secret of his success is his wisdom. The way he behaved in chapter 16 was very wise. His eldest brother condemned him. Why you would come here? Why you left this few sheep in the field? You should go back to take care of this few sheep. Then he told his brother, there is a cause that I'm here. What does that mean? That means he realized there was a cause from God. God sent him. The cause he considered is that it is of God that I'm here. You don't need to be afraid. I'm here. I'm here to kill that guys. You be at peace. Don't condemn me. You just see. Do you believe a teenager still so green, so young, just 15, yet he behaved like a man who might be 80 years of age. Where he learned of these things? God's sovereignty put him to the field to take care of the sheep. Quite often, lions came. God uses those lambs and bears to train these David for quite a time to train him, get him ready, prepared, equipped, go to kill Goliath. God did this all secretly. Nobody knew. Saul didn't know. Only David was there, day by day, practicing God's equipment. Do you think he slammed the stone just by occasion? I believe when he was in the field quite often, like a kind of athlete, you throw javelin again and again and again, day by day. So one day, David was put into his Olympic. <laughs> David came out full of experiences. That's why he had the assurance. Francis, two things struck me in this uh, portion. Number one, of course, this matter of the cause. David realized that this was God's cause and a cause for which he had been called. But also, once more, we really see God's sovereignty in a marvelous way here, don't we? When he picked up that stone and put it in the sling and launched it at the enemy, Goliath, uh, you get the feeling that was not the first time he had done such a thing, (laughs) don't you? (laughs) Matter of fact, all his experiences seemed to be those that were preparing him for just this occasion. He'd already been through quite a bit, caring for those, what his brother called those few sheep. Yeah. The brother didn't realize what David was doing. And David himself probably didn't realize it, but he was getting a lot of experiences and a lot of training under the sovereign hand of God. And the time was at hand when he would be in a position to really be there for the cause. And uh, his experiences all came back to him. I think later, I believe, he'll refer to the experiences that prepared him to take on this giant. 
Yeah, he'd been fighting off bears and lions out in the wilderness, caring for these sheep, and had discovered and, and, and probably practiced and become quite expert yeah. uh, with this sling and stone. And uh, so the sight of this giant who was threatening God's people just didn't have the same intimidating effect, not just because of his uh, expertise, but more so behind that expertise, the realization this was God's calling mm-hmm. to uh, bring him to that point to face God's enemy. That's where we're, our confidence can and our assurance can really soar, uh, can't they? I think it's quite significant with David. He must have gotten a vision about what he was on this earth for. And at that particular time, and all these experiences came back to him one by one because he refers to them later on. Right. That he uh, had these kind of experiences that prepared him for facing this impossible task. Oh, you have to just love and worship the Lord for his sovereign arrangement of all the circumstances. Okay, now let's go back to uh, chapter 6, and we'll leave David for a moment and come back to uh, the the real antagonist, which is Saul. Uh David has the success, and we pick up the reading in uh, verse 6 of chapter 18. As David returned from striking the Philistines, the women came out of all the towns of Israel, singing and dancing to meet Saul the king. And the women sang to one another as they played, and they said, Saul has struck down his thousands, but David his ten thousands. And Saul was very angry, for this saying displeased him. And he said, They ascribe ten thousands to David, but to me they ascribe only thousands. And what more can he have except the kingdom? So his heart is fully opened at this point to us yeah. to see what is uh, lurking in there. And I have to say, Francis, as we'll fellowship after Witness Lee's final portion, what's in Saul's heart, we all have to confess, very much lives and lurks within our own. My, yes. All right, here's Witness Lee once again. Everything Saul did with the intention to frustrate David, right? But whatever Saul did became a very good opportunity for David to get in favor with the people. David returned from striking the Philistines. The women welcome and praise, saying, Saul has stricken down his thousands. But David, his 10,000. When Saul heard this kind of praise, he was altogether displeased. He said, why? You don't give 10,000 to me. You give 1,000 to me. You give 10,000 to David. Don't think only Saul was Saul. Today in the church, there are many Saul's. The same. Why 1,000 to me and not 10,000? You become Saul, right? You know, in this whole universe, there's only one war going on. One war is going on, it's raging on all the time. What was that? A war between man and God. And this man warring against God is the flesh. The flesh wars against God as the spirit. And the very God who is the spirit today is all the time warring with our flesh. Our flesh is the real enemy of God. This is why I tell you God commanded, even required Saul to kill all the Amalekites, flesh, 
The record in Exodus 17 is very strange. God himself says, I will fight with Amalekite generation after generation. I will wipe out this name in the universe. God intended to wipe out our flesh. But look, our flesh is still here. This is the real gopher hiding underneath to damage. So Galatians 5 does not only tell us such a war, but it also tells us those who are of Christ have crucified the flesh. Just believing that Christ has crucified the flesh on the cross as a fact, that is not adequate. You have to realize he did it. Christ did it. And you have to apply it. Day by day, you apply the cross of Christ upon your flesh. But here's David. He only knew to behave, to act, to have his being, and to do his job according to God's heart. He only knew this. So wherever he went, he got his success. Such a young man. You couldn't find any hint that he was proud. It seemed he only knew how to labor, how to work, how to behave for God's people, for God's kingdom. Francis, I was thinking as we were listening here of the contrast between these two, Saul and David. A couple of days ago, we were in chapter 15. I remember this verse. Verse 12 says, Then Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning, and it was told Samuel, saying, Saul went to Carmel and has now set up a monument for himself, and he has returned and passed on down to Gilgal. Here is Saul setting up a monument to himself, taking account of all of his successes, and sees in this young man a definite threat. And what a description, what a picture of the flesh that we all wrestle with, mm-hmm. whereas David is motivated solely by the desire to stay in the center of God's heart. What a difference, huh? Yeah. Here is David really acting wisely. He's not foolish, and he's not selfish. He's not centered on what he wants. He's simply submissive to the Lord's lessons that the Lord has given him and acts in a very wise way. You read this story, you might think, well, don't worry. God will take care of me, and it'll come out all right. But it wouldn't have come out all right with David if he had tried to take care of his own reputation and of himself and to fight Saul directly. Mm -hmm. But he just submitted to God. He just labored for God. His whole intention was to have the heart of God. He wanted to see accomplished for God what God wanted, and that included getting rid of these Philistines, especially Mm -hmm. this Goliath, who was the giant among them. So he had a heart to carry this out. It was a cause with him, and it was pure, it was without self-glory, and it was without fear. He wasn't afraid of Saul, even, even though Saul tried to spear him to the wall. So here's a real lesson. Here's a man according to the Spirit, and the other one according to the flesh. And the one, according to the Spirit, is not vaunting himself, is not promoting himself, and not for himself, but the one who's according to the flesh is fighting against God and is uh, mad because he didn't get the glory. 
Francis, you know, we can read these stories and come away and say, boy, that's all. He was sure an evil guy and isn't David wonderful. But as you just spoke to it, it strikes me very profoundly that what we see in this battle between Saul and David is really the demonstration of Galatians 5, isn't it? It's really the yeah, spirit right. and the flesh striving against one another. That's right. And how we have to be those who, like the Lord Jesus, have crucified the flesh. Yes. Francis, good fellowship today. I enjoyed this program very much, and uh, we hope to have you back in the chair. I'd like to be back. I hope Thank so. you very much. Okay, you're welcome. And once again, we'd like to remind you, as Francis spoke there, I think the uh, life study message, you should be intrigued now, if you haven't been already, how valuable this life study view of books like First and Second Samuel can be to our understanding, appreciation, and really our benefit from the Word of God and these Old Testament stories coming and having such a clear application as they're revealed in the life study messages. If you'd like to get the printed volumes, just one volume for both books, First and Second Samuel, call us toll-free at 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. For Francis Ball, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening today. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs consist of excerpts from Witness Lee's spoken ministry, along with our discussion and comments, and all focusing on God's heart's desire that we would enjoy Christ as the divine life for man. There are more than 1,700 programs like this one available online free of charge that you can download, stream live, or add to your podcast subscription. Just visit our website, lsmradio.com. That's lsmradio.com. You can also reach us by email, radio at lsm.org. Thanks for listening today.